Hi, and welcome to The Trail to Austin, the place to get to meet the people of Austin and find out how they became the people of Austin. I'm your host, Bob Morse, and sitting across town, just, I don't know what he's doing, um, is Joel McCall. not sure either. <laughs> All I know is it's the middle of April, it's 90 degrees, so whatever I'm doing, it's inside in the air conditioning. Yes. I, uh, we just had our air conditioner serviced yesterday, and I was like, hey, good timing. So. Oh. So, a lot of people, you know, especially when it gets hot around town, um, they start thinking about where they can go and get out here. And, I'm, you know, everything in the news right now is travel, travel, travel. So, we thought we'd have our friend Gary Left back on to talk a little bit about uh, this kind of post-pandemic travel, as it were. So, hi, Gary. Welcome back. Hey. Well, you know, we're... We're, we're not quite post-pandemic yet, but people are starting to travel again. So would you call this pre-post-pandemic? <laughs> well, it, it, it is such a weird time after such a weird year, right? Because, um, you know, pe- well, I mean, there's a lot of things going on. People are tired of being cooped up. It's just gone on for a full year. There is this light at the end of the tunnel. And for many folks who are vaccinated now, um, you know, it's it, it's a whole lot safer. Look, it, it took a while to get there, but the CDC even now has said that, you know, if you're vaccinated, if you've you know waited a couple weeks after you're done getting vaccinated, the risk to someone in traveling is very very low. Um, you know, because the vaccine, we're so fortunate. The vaccines have been you know so very effective. Uh, you know, we I don't think anybody expected the sort of efficacy data that we got, you know, 90% plus against symptoms. But now we're even getting this great data that says, look, you know, it doesn't just protect you against symptoms and hospitalization and, you know, bad outcomes. It really reduces the chance that you would be a carrier of the virus either. Last, you know, the CDC's dealt with data saying that looking at the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, that it reduces the chances by 90% that somebody would have an asymptomatic infection and just be a carrier, whether they could infect someone else or not. So say, gosh, like now I'm Superman, right? Um, you know, you're, you're, just, you know, you're, you're impenetrable. Um, and people are ready to get out in the world again after having been, you know, for the most part, you know, cooped up, or if you've gone anywhere, maybe a driving trip, uh, you know, there are people who continue to fly even at the, the depths of this. And you know, the actual uh, time in the airplane probably wasn't that risky. It's not that you couldn't get COVID on planes. There were cases of it. But, you know, as far as indoor environments go, the actual aircraft is you know, pretty safe because of the HEPA air filtration, the downward airflow. Um, you know, it's it, it's as good an indoor, good an indoor environment as, as it's going to be. The real constraint too has just been, you know, so you got you go somewhere. There's got to be stuff that's open, yeah. and now there's you know stuff that's open, right? So you, where most people have been going, is you know domestic leisure destinations. To a certain extent, you know, close and international. There's a good chance that we're going to see more countries opening up to. Americans, especially vaccinated Americans, I mean, already in Europe, you can go to Iceland if you're American. Greece has said they plan on opening this spring. Um, but, you know, Iceland, you show your CDC vaccination card and they let you in right now. 
Uh, but if people are traveling internationally, it's largely been to you know Mexico, Central America, Caribbean. Uh, and look, if you're going to return to the United States, you've got to get a, a negative COVID test within three days uh, of your return uh, to board a plane back to the U.S. It's not for crossing a land border. It's only for returning by air. But uh, hotels you know, have, desperate for this business have gotten into the business of organizing testing. Uh, and many of them even offer uh, packages for, gosh, you know, what happens if you test positive, right? Because it creates this uncertainty, which makes it hard to go because you know, you've got to get back. Um, there could even be a false positive. Like, what do you do? Well, so there are these, a lot of chains have these uh, packages where they'll give you discounts on the room to stay longer and discounts on your food and beverage, make it a little easier to extend your vacation. But, uh, but there is that risk. So mostly the travel's been domestic to leisure destinations and places that are open. Uh, that's meant a lot of Florida. I mean, there's more flights to Florida than we have ever seen, and they're mostly full. Uh, it's also meant, uh, you know, the recent time where there's been snow in Colorado, uh, ski destinations have been popular. Uh, but a lot less activity, going, people going to the Northeast not just because it's unpleasant weather, um, you know, recently, but, but also because there's been less open, less open in California. Uh, so people are going, you know, nice weather, domestic, where it's open and there's something to do. You can go to Disney World, right? And so people are going. Right. So, um, you know, we had become such a popular uh, travel destination here in Austin. I don't know what, what the... Um what the numbers have been like here. Have you seen anything about inbounds here? Yeah, it's So the, the data is a little bit delayed and it's not uh, like it was. The planes aren't as full as they were. Um, we had, we're not Florida, but a lot of the activities. So on the one hand, you know, what Austin has going for it is so many outdoor activities that make it sort of COVID friendly um, as well as just having a lot that's open. But a lot of the indoor stuff, I mean, the, you know, the, the, the musical festivals, the big conferences, you know, we're, we're planning to have, you know, South by next year, right? Didn't right. have it this year. So losing, not having, not having South by uh, this year was a big hit to the numbers, right? You know, we haven't, we don't have the, the convention center operating. Gosh, I mean, it was set up as a field hospital at one point. Right. Um, so, yeah, a lot of the things that draw people here, you know, we're it's it's still lagging, it's still suffering, but you know, but it's better than some destinations have done. Yeah, I, I was just asking because I knew Texas, you know, like Florida, Texas has been open for a few weeks now, so or a month, whatever, and so I know there was a bunch of kids I saw on spring break down, you know, that said they were going to South Padre because you know Texas was open. <laughs> Before, you know, just before the holiday, I, um, you know, rented a place on the beach out there, right? It was something that was, you know, very COVID friendly, drivable. It was an Airbnb, mm-hmm. you know, contactless check-in and we, you know, we brought groceries and my daughter could, you know, could run on the beach and you know, it, it was December. It's not like you're laying out on the beach, you're, right. you know, walking with a little, uh, you know, a little windbreaker or whatever, but it's just for a nice change of pace the sort of thing that we could do, uh, you know, in a very, very COVID friendly way. Whereas now, um, you know, and, you know, fortunately I, I am vaccinated. Um, my wife is vaccinated. We went to uh, Florida about a week and a half ago. 
um, just for, you know, again, change of pace and beach, something to do. And that's what I was going to ask you. Have you been anywhere, you know, lately? And it sounds like, so you guys went to Florida. Did you find anything different about check-in at the airport or anything different on the planes? So the only things that are different um, is, you know, even though, say, Texas doesn't have a mask mandate as a state, um, the airport, you still have to wear a mask. On the plane, you still have to wear a mask. There is a federal transportation mandate, a mask mandate. And um, separately before that, the airports and airlines, you know, had their own. Um, so, you know, you do have to wear a mask throughout the journey. Um, the expectation is you take it off only, you know, briefly for drinking, briefly for, you know, taking a bite to eat, but that you keep it on otherwise. You know, I think it's a good idea to like, bring a change of mask because, you know, you don't want to be wearing the same one for hours on end. And if you need a connection and, and, and frankly, there are fewer flights than there were. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you may not have the convenient timing you once did. There aren't as many flights to non-leisure destinations, you know, to the non-Florida destinations. You know, there aren't going to be as many planes operating with the same frequency. So you may be connecting through Dallas or Houston, right, to get to your destination and makes for a longer travel day. It also makes for greater inconvenience if there's a flight cancellation, a mechanical or something, right, because you just don't have as many, uh, uh, as many planes as backup options. That having been said, it's otherwise pretty normal. You wear your mask, you know, look, check in online, check in with the app. Uh, I'm traveling with my young daughter, so I did have a check bag. So I did go up to the counter. There are, uh, you know, the plexiglass shield, you know, at the counter. Um, But other than that, it was, you know, pretty normal. You go through security. There isn't quite as much open at the airport. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not all the venues uh, are back open. So, you know, plan ahead in terms of thinking about what you're going to do for, you know, food and beverage. The airlines often don't have as much uh, in-flight service as they did. So while, uh, you know, when I uh, boarded my, I flew American out last week in Southwest back. So I boarded my American flight and they did have for each passenger, a packet of a small bottle of water and a, um, a, a hand sanitizer wipe, right? Um, and, you know, so they'll give you that, but they didn't have, you know, other service uh, in economy on the plane. Uh, American is serving full drink service up front. Um, they have, uh, you know, not the same meals that they had, but there is food on longer flights. Um, expect to get, you know, on longer flights up front, um, uh, cold meals. Uh, most flights American is doing the things they used to you know, sell in economy, uh, is what they give you in first uh, nice. <laughs> on the on longer flights and a handful of flights they're doing you know prepackaged tapas boxes protein boxes uh, it's only on um, the you know say Dallas to Hawaii before you get uh, a hot meal up front. Well, so speaking of American, uh, that was one of the ones I wanted to ask you about. They they put forth this number that they're back to ninety percent of pre-pandemic levels up. Without business travel, I find that hard to believe. That seems so. It's a little bit more nuanced. So there's, it's not system wide. It's uh, the it's it was a for a brief period of time booking volumes, mm-hmm. not passengers on a given day, because um, there's still 
operating with a further or a schedule that's further reduced than that. And it was also referencing only domestic flying, uh, not international, because I mean the flights to Europe, I mean, these are empty. Yeah. The flights that do exist, uh, flights to Asia, these are empty for the most part. Um, again, because you know, there are restrictions on whether or not you can go. And if you can go, um, there's not a whole lot to do. If you go to France when they're back down and under lockdown, like what are you going to France for? Right. So American restarted its you know, New York JFK to Paris flight. Um, and on the very first one, uh, there were uh, fewer than six passengers wow. on the whole plane. Hmm. Now they're, they're, doing, good seat. they're also doing cargo. <laughs> it's just like, but, you know, but internet, there's no meaningful long haul international. People are going to Hawaii. Right. So Joel, so hop in. I've seen uh, just an extraordinary number of incredible travel packages offered that say you can use it anytime over the next 12 months, uh, which kind of leads into the empty flights you were talking about. Uh, as travel starts to pick up, how is that these low dollar flights going to affect the uh, economy of the airlines? So the airline business is very different than it was um, because the people who are flying are not the same people that were flying before the pandemic. It is only leisure travel to a large degree. There's you know, some limited amount of business travel. It's not as low as it was when it was off you know, 98% and then it was down you know, 85%. It's still down you know, far more. Because companies aren't you know, back in the office fully, right? There aren't conferences to go to indoors yet. We're going to get there, um, but you don't have business travel. So you don't have people paying you know, premium business fares. You don't have people flying on those same routes. So they're flying different routes with different passengers um, and they're not able to command the same fare premium. Um, roughly speaking, you know, I mean, they can still, they can still get by. They, they're, the major airlines for the most part, I've stopped burning cash monthly. Um, so on just a pure cash basis, they're not, draining the bank account anymore the way they were they've also they cut costs a lot um but they're bringing in uh revenue now so you know so they're 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 okay i'm not worried about the airlines now in terms of deals look um you know we're we're seeing deals we're seeing but to, but if you're going to florida there are a lot fewer deals because those plans are full and the hotels are are, are full on during peak times uh you'll still get better deals you know off peak and out of season and midweek and all of that. Um, and there's, but, but if, if you're going where people are going, uh, the deals aren't as good. You can get in ahead of, uh, you know, Europe travel cheap. Um, there are huge deals on, you know, cruises. If that's you know going to be your thing, you're making a bet on when that's going to, you know, going to happen. Um, but people also book cruises so far ahead that when people book, if people are talking about booking their you know, mid to late 2022, you have to think that those are going to be okay. But again, particular schedules may change and ports of entry may change because some ports may have you know, more onerous requirements at that time. You know, so you know, we're still in a world of uncertainty. My own preference as a result has been to 
limit my outlay of cash, even when there's a good deal. Um, I've loved using my frequent flyer mile. American specifically, one of the changes they made during the pandemic is to say that the um, Advantage program no longer has a fee if you decide to cancel an award ticket. You can nice. cancel and put your miles back for free. And so, I mean, if you've got, if you're redeeming your miles, you know, you're just putting, you're, you're, you're locking in the option to go without any loss if, you know, something changes. If the flight schedules change, you know, there were uh, great awards the other day, um, basically for the whole year, if you wanted to fly Singapore Airlines out of Houston, you could get business class like every day of the year. You still can, as I talk about this, um, but they're not flying that flight yet, right? So you're betting on is Singapore Airlines going to be flying from Houston when you've decided to, to, to travel? Um, if I were saying, look, I've got to go through, to, through Singapore, fly to Singapore, I say, okay, I'm going to fly the Los Angeles flight that they operated throughout the pandemic, right? But Houston, maybe that's the last one to come back. So, you know, you could, you could buy it, you'll be entitled to a refund if they cancel, but it, we're still in a world of uncertainty. Sure. So Joel, what were you thinking? Well, you know, I see things like go to Iceland for five days, five nights for $500, all inclusive. Okay. <laughs> it's like, and I have a year to do it. Well, the truth is that you only have a limited period to do it because there's only a few months that you want to go to Iceland. Okay. Well, like you don't, yeah, yeah. They'd be happy to have you come in December, right? Like sure. they pay you well, to come, right? And it, it, it is, you know, beautiful and um, worth going that you, you can go right now. They accept, you know, vaccinated Americans uh, without quarantine. Yeah, and they're even, you know, they're accepting the seat. They, they trust that handwritten, you know, cardboard CDC card, like without verification. Like, uh, really? Okay. Um, uh, yeah. And the thing about the packages is not any different than normal times. Make sure you know what you're buying. Because the headline price of number of days and get you there is great. Um, you know, what is the flight schedule going to be like? You know, who are you flying? And, you know, what are the accommodations? Because Iceland is normally a very pricey destination. And by the way, um, it's pricey for food and activities on the ground too. Um, so, you know, factor in your total trip costs. But absolutely, uh, for tourists, uh, you, can, you can lock in some great deals. If you're think, getting out ahead of people, you know, if you're, it's always been the case that you can get deals, right? If you're traveling where and when other people aren't. I've always been a big fan of shoulder season, right? Going when there are fewer people because I just enjoy it more. You get a better experience anyway when you're not around massive crowds of people, mm -hmm. even in, in, you know, the before times when, before people were worried about social distancing, like you're on vacation, you don't want to be in, uh, around crowds and, you know, waiting in huge lines and a hotel that's you know, over that you're in the huge land of the hotel because they're, you know, they're just overtaxed with, uh, with people that can't handle it. So, you know, going where other people aren't is, uh, you know, is, is half the fun. I think you sent one out last week for uh, tap airlines where they were doing the uh -oh. crazy business class, uh, cheap tickets. Yeah. So they didn't actually honor 
that deal. Look, you were selling $300 business class tickets. Turns out it was a mistake. Round trip. Right. Round trip to Europe. Now, how do you even know it's a mistake? In pre-COVID, they would sell, you know, Europe, U.S. round trips at $800 sometimes, right? At, at the depths of, in the depths of the pandemic, you could buy cross-country flights in the U.S. economy, but still, you know, $13. Right. And most of that was taxed. It was a $2 fare. Um, you know, I bought tickets to Miami that was $31 with tax. Uh, so at some level, you see a great deal. The first thing you think of is not necessarily it's a mistake. In fact, American Airlines uh, ran a fair uh, business class uh, to um, uh, Brazil that was about $500. And it wasn't a mistake. And it turns out what happened was Delta published the fare. They had a mistake. And American said, look, we understand basically their system that we know it's a mistake, but we're flying these planes anyway. They're empty. We'll take $500 from a passenger rather than taking zero because we're not going to sell all our seats. So they decided to match a fare that was a mistake. So when they're, you know, they're willing to do it, right? Um, and so people who were, while Delta had it available, American had it available and people jumped on it for a day. Um, you know, you've got to make sure when you're traveling now that you're eligible to go uh, where voting. So you've seen of the airlines promoting quarantine-free flights to Italy. Uh, Delta has done this. American has done this. Uh, and the idea is they or, they organized, you know, you've got to present your negative test again on the plane. They've organized testing on arrival as well at the airport that when you test negative, you don't have to quarantine but you still have to be eligible to enter the country and the rules are the same, which is to say that leisure trips to Europe for most people aren't permitted right now. So, okay, quarantine free, I can go. Like, no, you can't. Like not unless it's essential, you know, essential work. So you you make sure that you're, that wherever you go is willing to take, for a long time I was saying, why aren't you traveling? Like, well, nobody wants me. (laughs) There was a time where you couldn't go to New York without quarantine. Right. Uh, you couldn't go to Hawaii without quarantine. And, you know, I'm not going to sit myself in a hotel room for two weeks. Uh, so it just took it off the table. Hey, so uh, I want you to enlighten the listeners on that because a lot of people may not know the rules behind that. But why did they continue flying those empty planes to destinations? And I know there's some rules behind it and stuff like that. So, yeah, so uh, domestic flights. Uh, airlines took three rounds of, you know, federal bailouts mm-hmm. and you know, in total about $80 billion was provided to U S airlines and the federal government said as a condition of, there were several conditions, uh, in exchange for the money you know, they had to keep their employees on payroll. There were a couple of squirrely things they did to, to get around some of that, but you know, they had to keep their employees on payroll. They couldn't pay out, you know, dividends. There were limits on executive compensation for the top officers, but they also had to keep flying to all of their destinations unless they were granted a specific exemption by the Department of Transportation. So the idea was the government was saying, we don't want to lose air connectivity during the pandemic to, you know, certain cities that just won't have flights at all anymore. And it wasn't just they would keep 
you know, one flight from one airline, any airline taking the money still had to serve their destinations. So in some cases that meant, you know, five airlines flying to a city with completely empty planes and they kept doing it. Now, at the point where the government was effectively picking up the tab on, you know, on their payroll um, and they've already got all the planes, the extra cost to operate flights was pretty low, right? Again, you've got no cap, no cost for the aircraft. You've already got that. You've got no cost for your pilots or cabin crew or, you know, your check-in agents or your, you know, agents at the, at the, at the gate either uh, because you're paying them either way. So the only real marginal cost is fuel. And during a lot of the last year, you know, jet fuel was cheap. Oil prices were cheap. So at one point, uh, you know, last, uh, you know, early last summer, American Airlines said that their break-even load factor, right, where they would actually not lose money on a flight if they could fill 9% of their seats. Wow. Right. So, so about, about the fuel charges, I think I read somewhere that Southwest uh, – pre-purchased fuel at a certain price uh, as a hedge against uh, rising fuel costs or something like that. So Southwest has always had an active fuel trading operation for decades uh, where they lock in low fuel prices. Um, and if the price goes up, they're making even more money. Um, American Airlines, as a matter of business philosophy, chooses not to do this because there's a cost associated with the trading. The prices could go down as well as up. Um, you know, during the around the time of the Great Recession, United Airlines disclosed that they had lost half a billion dollars on their fuel hedges. Uh, so th this is a you know money making or losing. Um, you know, so there's we run an airline, right? And do we also have a uh, derivatives trading operation? Right. And basically Southwest Airlines has, you know, has long had a pretty good one. Whereas Delta went and bought a, uh, an oil refinery many years ago in Pennsylvania. And despite big subsidies from the state of Pennsylvania for doing it, um, you know, it's an investment they wish they hadn't made. And then they even had their vice president of fuel at one point front running his own trades for the airlines. He got in a lot of trouble for that. So, you know, it's a, you can make money on it. You can also lose a lot of money. And you've got to be good at it. And if it's not your, you know, your core capability, uh, you know, traders on Wall Street and even Houston are going to kill you on it. So, you know, Southwest is good at it, though. Sure. So, hey, revisiting those rules for a minute, I wanted to talk about the international um, gates, why they kept flying the international flights because of um, with empty planes. So most of that's cargo. So, you know... An airline is gonna is going internet domestically. There's not a there's not a huge amount of money maybe made from in cargo usually, right? Um, internationally, a lot of it's what's in the belly of the aircraft, and you know some routes. Look, you know you've got airlines that were flying cargo only flights. You know, American hadn't done that in decades, and they started running cargo only flights because there were opportunities to make money. Uh, and with fewer international flights, there was fewer regular flights that were running cargo, so they they were running more full than ever. Um, and you, with some and with just fewer flights, when you're the only game in town, you can make you can just make money on that. So yeah, they they would do it for cargo, and then if they could just break even with cargo or come close to it, having a few passengers 
on the plane made some sense. Right. But also, isn't there some rules around, um, I know at some of the international airports, if you don't show up, you lose your gates. If you don't. So for, for the most part, um, the rules around the use it or lose it rules around uh, landing slots, right? Take off and mm-hmm. land were uh, waived. Oh, okay. Um, big, big issue with uh, European airports, especially big, big issue with London Heathrow. Um, and it continues to be because, you know, you do have other airlines that didn't used to get to fly to certain airports saying, hey, we'll, you know, we'll fly, let us in. Uh, and so then there are ways of how do we accommodate that. But also there's a handful of airports here in the U.S. that work that way. Uh, New York LaGuardia, New York JFK works that way. You know, National Airport in D.C. works that way. Um, and those, you know, those rules were basically waived, which is a little bit weird in a way because these are basically the right to take off and land at an airport mm-hmm. granted by the government and given as effectively as a property right to the airline and said, yeah, you're not using it even, but you can keep it. And no one else can use it. Um, I always feel like that's a little bit problematic, but, um, but, but we didn't see a lot of ghost flights just to squat on slots. Oh, okay. I didn't know if there were, I just knew that, you know, that was one of the things that, that they were talking about that people may be giving up their slots if, they weren't using them, but yeah, because they, these rules, these waivers would get extended for a period of time. Uh, and then it would be an open question. Is it going to get extended again? And for how long? And so it would keep coming up uh, of, is this going to be an issue? And if you want to keep your slot, your you know, ability to take the land at London Heathrow, are you going to have to keep doing it even without passengers? And they basically said, no. Um, in normal times, you do actually see uh, some, what they call ghost flights, uh, airline just, or New York JFK for American Airlines for a while, they were operating some flights just to keep their, just to keep their slots because they didn't have a good strategy at the airport yet. Hmm. Interesting. So um, I know Joel, you brought this up earlier about the deals. Where are you seeing the best deals on like hotel, for example, hotels? Anywhere that's not um, Florida, Florida. <laughs> anywhere that's not Hawaii, right? Um, I mean, I use points at a hotel in Florida. It, it was it was their spring break, but it was a hotel that wasn't going to be crazy. Uh, you know, it, I'm using points. It's the same number of points, whether it's you know, the hotel sold out or not. Um, but gosh, I mean, we're talking about a hotel, you know, that was getting four times its usual room rate um, because, you know, the, the, cre- the thing right now is that all of the travel demand is so concentrated in a few places. And so there are places that are getting just windfalls and there aren't deals. And then there's everywhere else. So you can get, you want to go to Las Vegas. There are good deals in Las Vegas, even though it's an open leisure destination. It's not, um, it's not deluge the way that Florida is. Um, so yeah, you, you can definitely get, uh, get good deals there. You can get, still good deals in Mexico, even though there's a lot of uh, Americans that are, that are going there. Uh, you know, if you want to go to the Northeast um, for whatever reason, there's a, there are great deals to be had there. Interesting. So what's the future of these bonus points and, and miles and, and uh, I, I've heard people, I have a friend who has a million miles and says he can't use them to go any place he wants to go. So 
is that kind of a, uh, here, we're going to reward you with this, but you really can't use it kind of situation. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess it depends on where he wants to go and win because for the most part, you know, it's been easier to use points when there haven't been people filling planes. If, if you want to get on a plane that you know, to go where everyone else is going when everyone else is going there and an airline is going to sell out all the seats, they're going to charge you a lot of points for that, that seat because you'll be displacing somebody that's putting out big money to do it. If you are looking for a seat that's likely to go empty, it costs the airline almost nothing to give it to you and you're likely to find a great deal uh, relative to the cash cost with your points. Um, you know, for a long time, it's been clear that the programs are incredibly valuable to the airlines. Um, you know, I've done some things looking at, I look at the, the, the 10Ks, and it was, and, you know, I look at the 8Ks, and the, it, I, I look at all the, you know, the SEC filings from, you know, the, from the airlines, and it's been pretty clear every quarter that, you know, their credit card is the largest driver of money that they were making before the pandemic, right? Um, but we never really knew exactly how valuable these programs were largest airlines all took out loans against their frequent flyer programs. Uh, American Airlines went into the private market and raised $10 billion of debt against the Advantage program. Like we're not talking about against the planes, the gates, you know, their headquarters building. I mean, they've leveraged all these other things that they've got. Just on the income flow off Advantage, they raised $10 billion. They had it appraised at between being worth between 18 and 30 billion. But you know, Delta raised nine billion against theirs. United raised uh, six billion, six and a half billion against Mileage Plus. Wow, these are hugely, hugely valuable, um, and they know that. So you know, they don't want to kill the golden goose. Yeah, they'll try to you know extract as much as they can out of it for sure. Um, but the programs aren't going anywhere, and people are going to continue to get value out of them. Look, I've been booking a lot of international business class awards to places that I hope are going to be open. Um, and if they're not, I'm going to, you know, cancel and redeposit my miles for free. And, you know, but the way you're going to, you're really going to get the best value out of your miles. If you're using it to travel um, on tickets that would be, you know, beyond reach sort of expensive, but that are accessible using those miles. So, you know, I'm going to, I've got tickets, you know, business class for my family to, you know, to Bali for late, you know, for later this year. I've got a couple sets of business class tickets to Australia to visit my family, hoping they're finally, you know, that they'll finally open the borders in Australia because I've got family that I haven't, I've got, you know, new members of the family that I haven't seen, you know, that have been born since I've been able to go. Um, and I, um, and you know these are very expensive tickets. You're never going to get huge value if what you're going to do is um, fly domestic coach. You know if if all if what you're doing is flying domestic coach flights, um, don't have an airline credit card. Don't put spending on it. You know, get a good two percent cash back card. And use the cash and buy the tickets that you want, right? Because there's just not a lot of leverage redeeming for those. Uh, you're never going to get more than a penny or two a cent value uh, on those domestic uh, coach tickets even when they're only for a few miles, you know, get the cash. Uh, it's where you, you get leverage from those international premium cabin, uh, cabin tickets. Yeah. So how many miles do you have? Uh, it's a big number. 
it's an eight-figure number across That's programs. Yeah, well, and I have, I think I know who the uh, million-mile holder that Joel's speaking of is, but <laughs> we're... It was, past tense. Yeah, okay. I was going to say, where where is it she's wanting to go that she can't? But well, China. God bless the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, we were supposed to go to China not once but twice. Wow. Yeah, you know, looking around, it it's so funny how different things are. You know, like Gary was saying. I mean, yeah, I know I've written him about this we really wanted to go to peru this year and obviously that's a no-go now and you know we're looking at next year but they just went into a hard clamp down in late march again and so it's so hit and miss places and you know the reported numbers don't necessarily show it but if you look at um, excess deaths by country they may have been harder hit than you know than anyone during the pandemic yeah so, so the Caribbean's wide open. <laughs> no, that's good. And, and you know, just pandemic friendly play because you know stuff that's outdoors, right, has been you know throughout the pandemic for the most part the the Maldives has been open. You know, if you want something more exotic and further away, um, you know, because look, you're in the middle of the Indian Ocean. Everything is outdoors. The only time you're indoors is when you're in your own room. Um, right. And so it's, you know, like a pretty good place to be. But now that people are getting their shots and worrying less about it, they're willing to go more places. And then we just have to wait, you know, for other countries to get to the place where they're going to be open to us, which means for them getting things a little bit more under control, you know, especially if they have, if they haven't had as much vaccine available as we have. Um, so you see more spread, but you also see, um, you know, more people vulnerable. So, uh, and so there's a reticence to open. You understand that. Yeah. So that brings up another point I want to talk to you about was the vaccine passports. Um, kind of what's your opinion on that? Where do you see that going? It doesn't sound like it has a lot of support from the federal government. So we're not going to need them for anything here in the U S right for you know, travel in the U.S., for going to restaurants, largely because by the time they get their act together on these, um, anyone that wants a vaccine will have been able to have one. At, and at that point, look, if you're vaccinated, you're a lot less worried about whether other people are or not. Um, and so if there are people who aren't, it's like not as big a deal and we should have things on, so much more under control. Uh, we're vaccine passports are going to matter is you know on a temporary to a couple year basis for international travel to places mostly that don't have as much vaccine as quickly as the US does, as well as places maybe that start to get vaccinated but also haven't had much COVID to deal with. So Thailand, for instance, is beginning to open to vaccinated folks this summer. Uh, the uh, resort island of Phuket expected to open in July, uh, followed in October by some other resort destinations. And they're actually prioritizing vaccinating people in these tourist areas because they desperately need to reopen with tourism. They want to protect their people. So they'll reopen with, in areas that are heavily vaccinated to people that are vaccinated. And then, you know, they sell you, you can't, you know, leave and go elsewhere in the country, 
but they want to just make sure that it doesn't spread elsewhere because they haven't vaccinated the whole country yet. And they just haven't had um, a huge uh, COVID, you know, Southeast Asia generally uh, just hasn't had a lot of COVID to deal with. You know, I suspect, um, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that that we don't really understand. Um, you know, in Thailand at one point, they said that 90% of cases there were asymptomatic. And gosh, isn't this weird? Except I, I, my, my belief, and I, I, have, I don't have the ability to prove it. So just my belief is that there's similar viruses that have spread around there and, and you know, sort of undetected for a while, not quite as bad, but that there's some cross immunity because why else is Laos done so well and Cambodia done so well and Vietnam done so well. And it's not that they have these, you know, hugely effective governments with great healthcare systems, um, you know, in, in, in Cambodia and Laos, why are they so, you know, so fortunate? Um, it, they've, they, they haven't suffered the way the rest of the world has, but because of that, they're also concerned. Um, so look, we're going to, we're going to see countries requiring proof of vaccination of some kind, but it's hard to figure out what even counts. Mm -hmm. What what vaccines do you accept? If you're the U.S., you know you haven't approved the AstraZeneca vaccine that's been approved in seventy other countries. It's not approved here. Is it okay? What if an American got it overseas? Does that count? Uh, what if someone got one shot? of uh, AstraZeneca, the UK has been delaying second doses to give as many first doses out as possible, right? Does first dose count? No, well, how come the first dose of Johnson & Johnson does? Well, and isn't the first dose of Pfizer and Moderna, don't they seem to be about as effective as, as the one dose Johnson & Johnson? So do, do, what doses count? And how long are these even valid for when we don't know how right. long the, uh, you know, the vaccines are protective for? So lots of challenges. Gosh, in terms of what counts, uh, China is using you know, vaccine passports or proof of vaccination for people to enter the mainland from Hong Kong without quarantine. They're only accepting Chinese-made vaccines. So in Hong Kong, they use the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine and they use Sinovac-Coronavac. Sinovac-Coronavac is reportedly maybe 50% effective, yeah. <laughs> right? But that lets you avoid quarantine and Pfizer doesn't. So there's so much politics wrapped up in this too, right? Um, so it's just, you know, it, it's hard to do. I think we, we're not going to see it really for, you know, going to restaurants in the U.S. So when you see, you know, Governor of Texas, Governor of Florida, you know, sign orders, you know, banning vaccine passports. Okay, they won't be used in you know, state government here, but they never were going to be anyway, right. because we're, we've got so much vaccine, you know, soon enough that everyone's going to be able to have some if they want it. Uh, it's really just going to be for and until the world catches up. Um, other countries trying to keep out uh, people that have the virus that might spread it, that might bring in new variants. So the only one, the only place I've seen right now saying they're planning on using it is, I think there was some cruise ship going off later this year that everybody had to provide proof of vaccination before they boarded. Yeah, I mean cruises are in a real, real challenge. I mean they were where some of this stuff started. You're in an enclosed place for a while. Um, cruises. You know, nobody wanted anyone off the cruise ships, yeah. you know, when they were disembarking. So you're like stuck on this cruise ship if something goes wrong. Uh, they've got to go to some extreme lengths first to convince governments 
to let them sail, second, to let them dock, right? And then third, to convince passengers that, you know, it's that you know, each ship isn't like a standalone monkey from outbreak. Um, so, I, you know, I think cruises are a, a bit of, a, of their own outlier. Um, you know, it'll get back to normal eventually, but, you know, they're, they're, yeah, you, you, you need to go to great lengths uh, if you're a cruise ship. Right now, they're just trying to demonstrate to the government uh, that they ought to be allowed to sail. Yeah, that's a lot well, of money. Cruise ships for a long around. time have had the, uh, let's say, the reputation of being a, a floating petri dish. The noroviruses. Mm-hmm. And- yeah, e- even before COVID. So. Sure. Be interesting to see how that industry comes back. People love cruises. And, you know, look, there are some ships have been sold. Some cruise lines have been downsized. They've taken on debt. But, uh, you know, people are booking their cruises. And as I say, they book them far into the future. So, you know, you figure it's a reasonable bet that your mid-2022 cruise is going to be okay. Um, but who knows what the itinerary is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that would be my worry is you if you did book something like that, it's like, well, I wanted to stop in Greece. What, what do you mean we can't stop in Greece? <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and you're betting too, when you're buying something, you're betting on the financial health of the company you're buying right. it from. So Norwegian <clears throat> used to fly to Austin and they flew to London Gatwick and they had announced they were going to start service to Paris. Now, Norwegian no longer fly, that just doesn't fly to Austin. They no longer fly transatlantic. So there are folks who bought tickets who I, I, I wrote about a case of somebody who bought Norwegian tickets and Norwegian said, look, you know, you're entitled to a refund, but instead of a refund, we're happy to give you points that work like cash with a 20% bonus, right? If you take this credit from us and they said, oh, great. Well, we're going to go back to Europe, right? You know, a 20% bonus sounds great. And we're even betting that there are going to be great fares better than what we bought before. Maybe we'll get two trips out of it instead of one. Well, now Norwegian no longer flies to uh, Austin. They no longer fly to the United States. So they have a whole bunch of credit that'll be valid for flights on Norwegian within Europe, right? But they can't get to Europe. Um, but they, you know, they, they've got you know, $3,000 in credit with them. Wow. So do the... Um... Oh, I was going to say, well, if it was points, do they, do they have a share program within another airline you could? Yeah. So they can't, they don't have partners that you can redeem on. Uh, um, you know, there, there's no way to use the points to get to Europe at this point. Wow. Um, no, it, my, the argument I would make, it's a little bit, they have, they put the subsidiary that used to fly transatlantic through a bankruptcy process. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's even hard to make a claim. The Department of Transportation has said that anybody who was given a credit who was entitled to a refund, you know, had to be offered the refund. And so I'd go back and sort of argue for that. But now that they no longer even fly to the U.S., they don't know they really care what the DOD says. Um, and there's no one to sue in, you know, in, in U.S. courts. So, you know, this is like this is the terrible for me to say because it's against all the rules of the programs. I never would suggest anyone sell their awards, but find someone in Europe that needs to travel in Norwegian 
because you know because look norwegian really really hosed you yep so joel what do you what are you thinking i think i want to get the hell out of austin yeah <laughs> so, it's been a year i'm ready to go someplace oh i know every and every time we tried to start booking something you know it's like something changes or something happens you know and so it's hard to make those commitments at this point um so gary what would be your your overall advice for people that uh that want to travel what's good what's bad right now what you know what well what should they be looking for as as i say you want to go where you know where people aren't uh to the extent that you can so you know i i'm sort of i want to avoid florida even though it's but the people are but it starts with okay what do you want to do and where can you do that uh that's open um first of all you know look are you vaccinated I think it's reasonable to travel. I also think, by the way, it's reasonable to travel with uh, young kids who can't get the vaccine yet, because look for them and for their own, you know, for in terms of their own risk, you know, a young child is at less risk than in many cases a vaccinated adult, and they could potentially spread it, but they seem to spread it less. Um, I think it's, so. I think it's reasonable to travel uh, when you're when you're vaccinated. You just have to find places that are open and find deals and. Um, and you probably are sticking to you know, U.S. destinations and nearer international. If you're going to go international, make sure that you can be flexible on your return because you do have to have a negative uh, COVID test in order to fly back. Uh, and so there is the chance that you test positive either because you, you get it or there's a false positive, right? And then you're like going in search of like another test and, and this, but it's an extra... It's an extra pain. It also means it really is hard to do quick international trips because you could wind up, you know, killing a day of a two-day weekend on, on testing. Um, it's getting pretty easy to get the tests, but there's just the uncertainty uh, element. So you want a longer trip and you want to be able to, you know, be flexible on that return. Um, unless, of course, you're staying, uh, staying domestically, which includes, you know, U.S. Uh, territories, right? So you can you know, go to you know Puerto Rico without this requirement, for instance, when you're when you're coming back, you know, and Hawaii is open with testing. Um, but the thing to make sure is that you know what the most current rules are because they're actually kind of always changing. Maui just announced they plan to require testing on arrival at the airport also uh, before the end of the month. Um, so if you're flying directly into Maui, that's an issue. It's also there are rules around traveling between the islands. In Hawaii, so make sure you're flying to the island probably that you want to stay on. Um, but follow the rules because you know it's not with Hawaii. It's not just a negative test. It's a negative test from one of their testing partners. So you have to, it, so who you get the test from matters. There's a case not long ago where you know, someone got their test from the Mayo Clinic. You think that this is what could possibly be more credible uh, than that? Well, Mayo Clinic's not a testing partner. They went to Hawaii twice. The first time it slipped through, they got they they got in with it, and the second time they were rejected. They were told to go into quarantine. They just flew home. They flew all the way to Hawaii. They flew back. Um, but what's also really weird there is that if you go to their website, look at their testing partners, you say, well, American Airlines uses a testing company they call Let's Get Checked. You may have seen TV ads for them. Let's Get Checked is not listed as a Hawaii uh, partner, 
but American Airlines is a Hawaii partner for testing. And let's get checked. There's like a transitive property. Let's get checked. Tests are accepted because they're a partner of a partner. So this can be a little confusing. You want to make sure you know uh, what the rules are wherever you're going to be able. And what's great, look, Hawaiian Airlines is, uh, you know, has their new Austin nonstop to Honolulu. Uh, initially three days, it's going to four days a week, you know, over the summer. Um, and they're using a nice you know, wide body plane. If you fly, you know, business class, it's going to have a flat seat. Um, so real nice ride. You can fly nonstop for the first time between Austin and Hawaii. Uh, that's, you know, that's great. Yeah. And so there was something else I wanted to ask you about. What do, um, I see we got the home base for, is it Allegiant? Uh, they are opening a, a, a base here. Uh, you know, they're, they operate out of the South terminal. And this is something I realize that a lot of people in Austin don't even realize exists, right? You think I'm going to the Austin airport. So you go to the Austin airport, right? Uh, and then there's the, these signs, oh, you're flying Allegiant. Like, no, you're eight miles away. Uh, it's technically all on the airport ground and they share a runway, but there's not like a direct way you, you, know, you cut across the, you know, the airfield. It's a pretty roundabout uh, drive. It's, it's literally eight mile drive. They run shuttles, um, but it's basically like a double wild trailer, um, you know, that they call the South Terminal. And that's where Allegiant flies out of. It's, it's cheaper to operate out of there. Um, but, you know, if you're flying, make sure you, you know what terminal you're leaving out of. Uh, if you're flying, because it's you, you kill a lot of time, you probably miss your flight if you go to the wrong one. I saw the long-term plans for the airport, and it looks like you know, nothing but growth is on the horizon for it. Yeah, you know, I, it, it's striking to me. Some of the airports have taken, have continued to invest in their um, uh, development and construction during the pandemic. Um, if I were, say, Denver, I wouldn't be building another runway right now i'd be taking a wait and see like what is different in the world because you know taking a year pause on a 40-year plan is probably not a huge deal when the world's being upended mm -hmm. but look you know all signs are pretty good for austin right now right that you know you look at our our housing market is crazy um you know i i saw today a note about certain zip codes that are up 15 percent in the last 30 days in terms of pricing you know, people are moving here. We are in a world that's going to be more mobile. Uh, maybe not as much business travel necessarily, but you know, we've all learned to be able to work from home. Um, it's companies have learned that it's not nearly as challenging as they thought. Um, they you know, there are, there are challenges, but we're much more. We've incurred the cost with everybody figuring out how to coordinate online after we had no choice to do it for a year, and so. You know, people may go back to the office. There may be hybrid models there, but more people who aren't, you know, stuck living in a place because it's where their employer is. And, you know, look, when I moved to Austin uh, about eight years ago, I did it because I liked Austin. I didn't do it because I was forced, I needed to move here for family, or I didn't do it because, you know, the job forced me to move here, right? It was a choice. Uh, you, know, this, you know, Austin is a choice, as well as, all the companies that are moving here that, you know, that will serve as a center of gravity for that. So there's a, and look, right now, at least, you know, what have we value, learned to value more than anything? We've learned to value you know, outdoor spaces, you know, trails, parks, 
things that we have in great uh, abundance here that you know we that don't exist to the same degree in uh, you know San Francisco in New York, and so you know I think if that's if that holds you know more people coming here, more companies coming here uh, is going to be more air travel, and you know we 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 got a 37% increase in new gates just before the pandemic at the airport. Because before that, remember, I mean, you go to the airport and it's just like body to body at peak times. You couldn't move through that airport, right? And flights were expensive because airlines couldn't expand because there weren't enough gates. And so all the flights that existed, they were just full. American used to fly all the 80s out of here. They put in bigger planes right? Because they're filling all these planes. And so, you know, the, there's no, I, I don't think that there's a strong reason to suggest that Austin would reverse the trajectory that it was on. Right. I mean, there are some reasons why it could accelerate, but you know, the, the trajectory we were already on was growth. And so we're getting all these new flights. We, you know, it, it hasn't been, it's not coming back at this point, but we were going to get the nonstop Amsterdam flight. It was going to start just before the pandemic. We were going to get a Paris flight. We had these, you know, two London flights as well as, you know, as well as Frankfurt. There have been speculation that we might even see a uh, Korean air flight to uh, Seoul. Um, this was all, you know, again, pre-pandemic. Uh, but you know, having nothing to Asia. I mean, but we now have a Hawaii flight nonstop right. uh, that Austin's never had. Uh, so there's you know lots of options. Uh, and American Airlines has just announced a huge set of uh, of of new routes that are coming online for them. You know, up until now they've really only served uh, their own hubs. You know, your Dallas, Los Angeles, Miami, Phoenix. Uh, you know, New York, Chicago, you know, Philadelphia, Charlotte from, from Austin, but they're beginning service to, uh, you know, Nashville, to Las Vegas, Orlando, New Orleans, Raleigh, Tampa, Washington, Dulles. Um, and they're starting seasonal flights to, you know, Aspen, to Cabo, uh, Fort Walton Beach, Florida for, you know, for this summer, you know, the Saturday service. Uh, so it's a lot of uh, you know, a lot of new flying opportunities without connecting out of this airport. Yeah, that's great. Well, I want to thank you for uh, taking the time with us again today, Gary. Um, you know, this was very enlightening. Um, Joel, do you have anything you need to plug this week? Well, I was just in my mind thinking about comparing the last conversation we had with the conversation today and quite a bit has happened uh, in the meantime, but uh, you are just a fountain of knowledge and I'm very thankful that you uh, opted to spend time with us. No, well, well, thank you anytime and happy to do it. I'm just looking forward to having everybody, you know, back uh, exploring the world and um, you know, getting back to life which I just you know, feel this incredible excitement now in a way that I don't think we've had over the last year where we you know, see uh, an end to what we've all been through. And look, then there's just, you know, we want to celebrate that. And part of that is you know, seeing the you know, friends and relatives that we haven't seen. Uh, part of that is just changing up the scenery a little bit. And so I'm, you know, I'm excited to be traveling again. Cool. Absolutely. Well, everybody, Gary's left uh, website is um, View from the Wing. Uh, this, you know, Gary left here 
uh, writes uh, travel blog and articles, so you can always find great information out there, and that's viewfromawing.com. Viewfromthewing.com, right, Gary? Yeah, yep. viewfromthewing.com, and you can find me on most social media platforms at Gary Leff. L-E-F-F. That's correct. So, well, again, Gary, thanks for uh, spending time with us today. It was, it was really enjoyable, and it was a fountain of knowledge, so we appreciate it. All right, well, thank you all, and we'll chat soon. All right, we'll see you next time on the Trail to Austin. Bye, everyone.